Welcome to Baking with House of Bread, and I am your host, Sheila McCann. So today is January 2nd, so Happy New Year, everybody. For those of us on our goal setting for this year, and some might have some health resolutions, I'm going to be co- covering our healthiest bread that we make called the Harvest Grain. And we also call it the 14 grain harvest, but that was kind of a mouthful. So we just kind of shortened it up to harvest grain. And it's a whole grain bread, 100% whole wheat flour with grains and a bunch of seeds added in. And when I was particularly designing this loaf, I wanted to get five grams of fiber per slice. So I played around with various seed combinations and I added flax seeds and that got me over the hump. So that is really a big, powerful type of seed. And the reason I wanted to get your five grams of fiber is because people generally know that fiber is good for them. And why is it good for us? Well, it's like good for us in so many different ways. It reduces the risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes. It also can reduce the risk of several forms of cancer. It improves your blood cholesterol, your blood pressure, And not only that, but it makes you feel full faster. So it can help with um, weight maintenance or loss because you're not going to eat as much when you feel full. It also adds some bulk. Somewhat how it was described to me, it's like a brush and that cleans out your colon, which will help your food pass through your digestive tract more quickly. And in the end, it prevents constipation and indigestion. And I learned all this, so I knew it was good for me when I designed the loaf, but because of this podcast, I actually did a little bit more research and that's when I found out it really is fiber. Fiber is even more important because a lot of time in our society, everyone's kind of worried about getting enough protein. Well, really you want to focus on getting enough fiber and this loaf will help you do that. So what is fiber? It really is the part of plant foods that our bodies can't digest or absorb. And so that's kind of interesting if you think about it. So something so good for you and your body can't even digest it. Typically found in all the, like the fruits, vegetables, beans, peas, lentils, nuts, seeds, and whole grains, which is this loaf. And the whole wheat flour that we use will have the bran and the wheat germ of it that adds much more fiber than compared with like a white flour. So white flour is just basically the endosperm of the wheat berry, the middle of it. Anyway, for more flour talk, you can review episode one. Loaf is not just a nutritional powerhouse. It also happens to be one of my favorite breads. Toasted. It's really good toasted for avocado toast, um, just peanut butter and jelly. You don't have to use all the seeds that I mentioned. And sometimes we go to start baking something or cooking something and we don't have everything in the recipe. So I wouldn't worry so much. So if you don't have flax seeds, just use a little bit more sesame seeds. If you don't have poppy seeds, just use a little bit more pepitas or whatever you have. Pepitas are pumpkin seeds, by the way. Anyway, so you just don't want to get do more than what the recipe calls for. So if the total seed amount is like one cup, for example, stick to that amount in your recipes when you're working with breads. And the reason why dough needs other dough to stick together right? Sticks aren't, you know, seeds and grains are not going to be sticking together. And I will forewarn you that this is a little bit harder of a dough to make. 
And the reason why it's more challenging, because to get some good structure and the height for good sandwich loaf, you have to have a good, strong gluten development. And then when you're adding in, you've got the whole wheat flour, right? Which would kind of cuts into that gluten development to start with. And then you're adding in all these grains and seeds. It's much more dangerous to shred your gluten strands. And then what happens is your loaf falls apart on you. So this is more advanced. If you haven't used a sponge method or baked with whole grains, I would start first with my honey whole wheat recipe, which is episode six. And that you're just working with the whole wheat flour trying to combat that danger of shredding your gluten development. So in this one, we are also adding in all those other ingredients. So you just have to be extra careful. And I can tell you that even in my bakery, my bakers have been with me for three years, one, I think two and a half. But the point is, is that every once in a while, they'll make a loaf of bread and then we get a hole in the middle or it's just too loose and your sandwich kind of falls apart on you. Um, And then I'll have that conversation with them. And then what happens is then they overcorrect, right? Then I get these short squatty loaves and then you're trying to make a a sandwich on a really short loaf and then people feel like they get shortchanged. So I won't tell you it's easy, but I can tell you that you can get there. It just takes a little more patience and you're only focusing on this loaf at home. So keep in mind in my commercial bakery, they've got six different doughs proofing at, at once. I tell them this loaf, the harvest grain, gets their priority because this is the most difficult one. And the like the white base breads, you know, your whatever, your halas, your grandma's white, those are kind of no-brainer breads. They're a lot easier to, you know, you can overproof them, you can underproof them, and they're generally still going to turn out. Okay, so I don't want to scare you because I really want you to try this recipe. We'll just walk you through just a couple of caveats when we go through it. On your whole grains, you use a sponge method, which is basically a two-step process. And that's compared to your straight doughs where everything just goes in at once or straight at once. And so you use the sponge method, well, basically for three different reasons. It's taste, texture, and the chemistry. Just like sourdoughs, the longer the sponge, it's going to coax out a little more flavor. It's going to taste better. Sponge also, it will it kind of softens up your your whole grains, right? So that it's going to cut less into those gluten strands. Commercially, they use what's called bread improvers or dough enhancers or dough conditioners. And what this is, basically, it's a mix of various acids and enzymes that serves to strengthen the gluten in the flour. And it's not just mass producers either. So I've also seen, you know, some breads at the farmer's market and they'll add in vital wheat gluten. Well, that is very common, one of the dough conditioners, because it strengthens up your dough and it can withstand all this other stuff you put in there. And so, yeah, so vital wheat gluten, absorbic acid, which is vitamin C, is usually what the combination is. And it sounds good on the surface, right? Vitamin C and you're using vital wheat gluten, which could even be organic vital wheat gluten. And I've covered this before in the podcast, so I don't want to get too down that path, but it honestly is not. Okay, so I really think that this avoidance of gluten in the American diet generally has rendered people some health benefits because they are consuming so much gluten with the addition of vital wheat gluten that's added in almost everything commercially. I mean, not just breads, it's crackers, 
pizza doughs, you know, whatever else. They're throwing it in everything to give it everything structure. I mean, really, it, it saves them money. I, obviously, I own a bakery and I even have a bumper sticker that says I heart gluten. But it's the natural occurring amount. Really, this is somewhat of an American phenomenon because they don't use vital wheat gluten in in like the European breads. So often people will come and they tell me that they're having, you know, digestive issues or whatever. I ask them, have they ever been able to eat bread without having any effects? And then they tell me about the trips they went and they didn't have any problems. I'm like, okay, you're going to be great here because we don't use that type of um, product in our doughs. And that is the beauty of home baking. You know exactly what you're putting into your dough and you control what's in your body. It is about nutrition, but obviously too, it's got to taste good. Really bread made naturally with a few simple ingredients tastes better. It may be harder to make whole grain breads without those dough conditioners and the vital wheat gluten, but if you look at it this way, it's kind of like cheating. It really, cheating doesn't help you in the long run. If you think about it, I mean, even like in junior high, I'm, I'm not going to say I never cheated because I did, but then it's like, then that same subject comes back up in college or high school or whatever, and I would have been better off just learning the thing back then. It's the same thing in bread making, you know, so you don't want to cheat because what you're doing is you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So you're much better off learning what a good dough feels like, and doing it in a natural way. It's better for your body as well. Like I said, I promise you, you will get it. And it really isn't that hard once you slow down and understand the process. The other thing you're, you're going to know, and you home bakers probably already have realized this, that your bread is heavier than the commercial breads. And really, it's the very same reason that dough conditioner whips up air, so they allow the loaf to get bigger. It really helps themselves. So people think they're getting more value because the loaf's bigger when it's just kind of air. And so in my breads and home baking breads, they're going to be heavier. My loaves are about, like to get to the same size as the loaves that are in the grocery store, you know, to make your traditional tr sandwiches. I use 32 ounces, two pounds. Okay. Compared to the grocery store bread, same height, which is 24 ounces. And I used to argue, I had this marketing poster about like ounce to ounce, you're getting more from House of Bread because we have 32 ounces in our loaves compared to the 24 ounces of the grocery store bread. But to be honest with you, n nobody really cared. It was kind of one of those things you try marketing because you think it's important and your customers could care less. <laughs> and so I've kind of learned now to talk more about, you know, the us versus them. So you got to distinguish yourself from your competitors. And so the us, you know, house of bread versus the mass produced breads and why that we're, why we're different and why that's important because it's better for you and it actually tastes better. And I even had a friend of mine, um, we were backpacking. Her name is Rainy and she bought in her backpack. I, she had got some bread. I mean, so I'm the one that brings the bread, right? She said she bought that particular bread from the um, grocery store and, because it was lighter. She only did that once because I had to, I had time, you know, when you're backpacking, you have time to talk, to explain to her why that bread was not going to help her carry her 30-pound pack up and down the mountain passes in the Sierra Mountains. She didn't do that again. 
Okay, so now we're going to start. So the sponge, that's where in this recipe, it's the honey and the yeast and the bulk of the flour goes in there. If you're using two different types of whole grain flours in the sponge, the first step, you use your red flour. Your red flour is just basically a harder wheat flour. It's got, usually got a little bit higher protein uh, and it's a little bit stronger taste. And then in the second step, after it rises, you would add more of your gold flour or your white whole wheat. Now, you don't have to go and buy those two separate whole wheat flours. It just happens to be what I happen to like and I think produces the best, a better tasting loaf. And but at the same time is, is just use your whole grain bread, flour, whatever you have. It is important to use the bread flour as opposed to like a whole grain pastry flour. It, those are kind of hard to find in the grocery store shelves. So most of you probably aren't using, you know, a pastry flour that's whole grain. But the same time is, so just look for a bread flour and you also want to get something that's stone ground because stone ground whole wheat is done, if the milling is done at a low heat process. Why that's important? Because you get all the nutritional benefits of the wheat berry when you stone grind it or grind it at a low heat process. So you begin by just taking your two and a half cups of warm water, just turn on your tap, let it get warm. So it's about hundred degrees or so, uh, warm bath water, think of that. Two packages of, of your active dry yeast or one and three quarters tablespoon, three quarters of cup of honey. And I know that's a lot of honey, but it really does help add some flavor against the, some of the bitterness of the whole grains. And it also allows for some better texture and your two and a half cups of your whole wheat red flour that's freshly milled, high protein. Okay, so you want to start by proofing your yeast. And what you're really trying to do is make sure this yeast is still good. And if you're pretty sure, if you just, you know, you bought one of those pound of the vacuum sealed yeast, you know, last week, you opened it up, made some bread until you're making it again, then you can skip the whole proof in the yeast. And I can tell you that commercially, we don't proof our yeast <laughs> because it's all good. But when you're baking with those little packets, they can go bad. And it's, you know, it's a bummer when you go through all this work and then you're waiting for your dough to rise and it doesn't rise. So go ahead and test your yeast when in doubt. Yeah, and just throw in your yeast with a little bit of warm water, the yeast will dissolve. And if you add honey, you can just, it'll quicken the process where you're just gonna get some bubbles. And then when you get any bubbles, you know, in a few minutes, that tells you that your yeast is fermenting and it's active. Then you mix these ingredients and you'll know that it's super, super wet. Um, okay, so this, is the sponge part you're not kneading it's too wet to knead so you just stir it and you just stir it so it's incorporated okay so you don't keep stirring it so it's not no kneading going on here and then about two hours later you'll come back to it and that's actually when you start doing your kneading so your bulk fermentation so your bulk fermentation basically means that the majority of the fermentation happens in this sponge state and it's about double, and you'll be able to tell. I mean, when you look at it after a couple hours, it really does look like a sponge. And then's when you add in like a little more yeast. So like another packet of your active dry yeast or three quarters of a tablespoon. And then you add in three and a half cups of your whole wheat flour. And I want you to hold a half a cup of that flour. So only add in three cups of your whole wheat flour. Start getting 
to a feel for your dough and understand if you may not have to add that other half a cup of flour. And so you don't want it too stiff of a dough. At the same time, is, is you want it loose enough so it actually is going to rise. Okay, then you add in your tablespoon of salt. So start with that, and then you've got your half a cup of flour aside. And then what you want to do is just basically flour your table a little bit. I'm going to suggest that you use your hands at first. And you can also use a mixer. And But I will tell you that I still want you feeling your dough with your hands. And eventually... You know, if you bake bread for a long time, I can tell you that you can kind of tell by looking at it. Um, but to start, the whole idea here is to get you a, a good feeling of the dough. And the only way you're going to accomplish that is feeling it. Okay, so you put in your, your, all your, you add all these other ingredients into your sponge, and then you're trying to get it into a ball. And it should be a sticky ball, because keep in mind with whole grains too, it takes a little bit longer for that whole wheat flour to absorb the moisture. And it's gonna feel awkward for you. How I would suggest you do, if it's sticking too much to you, just take your hand and put it in your flour bag and then pull it out and then come back to your dough ball and move it around, move it around in the mixing bowl. And you, you can kind of even tell that it's going to, um, it's gonna come together better. And then take your hand out obviously and turn your mixer on. Now, if you're doing it on the table by hand, and I have videos on, uh, and I'll link to my, in my show notes to YouTube, just how to knead. But I mean, basically what you're doing is you're pushing dough against dough. So you use the palm of your hands. So you pick up the dough, you kind of flatten it out, pick it up with your fingertips, and then push with your palms, not your fingertips. Okay, so your strength is in your shoulders and your back. So that's why you're using your palms. Turn it in a corner, pick it up again, and then push. And then push. And it really is a lot more the te technique than strength. So you don't have to be super strong. You just got to use the right parts of your body, which is, like I said, not your fingertips. It's your back. You basically continue this pushing, folding, and turning the dough until you, it starts to smooth out. And it's kind of got that, um, oh, kind of like a, a satiny type of look. And then you're pulling it. And it should pull and it should stretch. And, you know, I've talked a little bit in dough formation. I think that was episode number two for more detail about this. The other thing I'm just going to make a quick point on that mixer kneading is make sure that your dough hook is doing the same actions that I just described what you, what, with your hands. What I mean by that is that I described your hand kneading, you're, you're taking your palms and you're pushing hard into that dough, taking it and turning and pushing it again with your palms. And so your dough hook should be the same thing. It's pushing into the middle of that dough ball. And the reason why that's important is because um, if your dough hook is just taking the dough ball and going on the outside, it's not even pushing into it, it's going to take a lot longer for that thing to knead. So I give you times, you know, approximately, you know, six to eight minutes with the mixer on medium speed. But... I'm also assuming that's your kneading time. It's not just like you turn the mixer on. Okay, now we're at six minutes. We're done. Uh-uh. You feel it and you watch it. Make sure that dough hook's get, getting into that dough ball. And sometimes you have to kind of help it along. And if you have to add a little more flour to get a firm ball, then do so just a tablespoon at a time. Okay, so now you've got that good dough stage. you got a smooth ball. 
and you go to pull on it and it stretches with you and you got like a little window pane test. It's a little bit harder to do the window pane test, quite frankly, with whole grains because you've got all that, you know, well, the wheat germ and the bran that's cutting into your window pane. But so that's why I say just kind of stretch it and make sure that it's going to it will the dough will stretch for you. And that's why they call it elasticity. Think of like a, a rubber band. I mean, it's going to break eventually, right? But it will pull, when you pull the dough apart, it, it kind of will fight you a little bit. And that tells you, you have developed those gluten strands. Okay, so now that we have the gluten strands developed, they're stronger. And now we can add in our other ingredients, which is your seeds and your grains. Your nine grain mix you should have, I should have mentioned this earlier, sorry, but you want to start with that nine grain mix soaking. So before you do anything, get your ingredients out and take your nine grain, which is a, it's basically a quarter cup of your nine grain mix. And you, you can buy the mix already made. If you check, most of your health food stores will have it, even some of the grocery stores. And sometimes they have a seven grain mix. That's fine too. So just get one of those mixes. Um, it's usually like steel cut oats and, oh, anyways, they're all in the different combinations, but you want to soak that. And if you forget to soak it, what you can do is microwave it for about a minute in water. You don't want, or maybe even two minutes, but you want to keep in mind is that you don't want to be adding a hot mess into this good dough ball that you just formed. What, what happens is, is that it accelerates the fermentation process and then the dough gets too hot. So especially with whole grains, you got to avoid that hot dough. And that's the other reason why I kind of like hand kneading because you're not going to over mix it. So if you do it by the machine, some the, the friction of the machine, it can cause heat and you can get with too hot of a dough ball. Your nine grain, if you have to microwave it, if you forgot to soak it in the beginning, just like I forgot to mention it in the very beginning of this podcast, you want to drain the water out of it and then let that those grains get to about room temperature before you add it into the, the dough ball. Okay, so you add in your quarter cup of nine grain mix and then a um, quarter cup of sunflower seeds and then two tablespoons of poppy seeds, two tablespoons of sesame seeds, two tablespoons of flax seeds, and two tablespoons of pepitas. Pepitas are basically pumpkin seeds. And like I said earlier, so if you want to do different combinations of seeds, that's great. Just don't go overboard and add too much. And then now you just basically, all you're doing is shaping your loaves. This is a pretty big recipe, so you're going to get two large loaves out of this. Or if you have smaller baking pans, you're going to get three. And you can also make dinner rolls out of this uh, dough. And I happen to like the dinner rolls because I um, use them for smaller sandwiches and it's easier to take as snacks rather than like a full sandwich. So I will take these, you know, hiking, biking or whatever I'm doing. If you want to put grains on top or seeds, I call it garnishing. And so we do that at the bakery and we don't have, if you notice, there's no dairy in this um, recipe. And so I don't like adding an egg wash when I don't have dairy in the recipe already because it. I just want to appeal to people that are, you know, whatever, avoiding dairy. 
so what we do is you take take some water, put it on top of your your loaf, and then add the grains or seeds or whatever you're going to garnish with it before baking. And you kind of just pat it in there a little bit. And then now you're going to let those loaves proof again. And that happens when it's in the pans. So you fill up your pans basically about oh, anywhere from two-thirds to three-fourths full. And then you want to get the dough to at least even with the pan or even slightly rounded. Um, keep in mind, you're still you're going to have some oven spring. So if your goal is to get the loaf, you know, an inch above the pan, so you want to put it in when it's about level or slightly above the pan, and then you'll get about an inch more during the baking process. And that depends. Okay, so it's not like, oh, you're automatically going to get an inch. I mean, you could get as little as, you know, half an inch or as much as two to three inches. And this is what happens at my bakery. Sometimes they get the dough right, you know, they don't overmix it and they get shaped and then it's proofing. You know, there's a lot going on, right? You've got a lot of doughs, you're watching the ovens going off and they will let it sit out too long. And what happens then the, the dough will collapse and you'll end up with a short squatty loaf. Or if the dough is too dry, you can end up with a short squatty loaf. And so to get that oven spring, it has to be a loose enough dough or have enough moisture in it. Yet the same time is you don't want a super loose dough because it will spring up in the oven. And then when you go to cut it, it could fall apart on you. And so there's a balance in there. And I'm going to do another podcast episode on troubleshooting these loaves. And I'll go into more detail on it. But for now, you would want to bake those loaves. If you've got smaller pans, it's going to be more on like around 30 to 35, 40 minutes. And if you've got larger baking pans, it's going to be somewhere between 45 and 55 minutes. And your oven is set at 350 degrees. And when recipes give you a time frame between like whatever, 30 to 50 minutes, you want to check and see if the loaf is done closer to the 30 minute range. Um, and how you check and see if the loaf is done is one you can kind of tell by looking at it. If it's kind of still really pale looking, then obviously it needs to bake a little bit longer. And I think the second thing is, is that you see if you can grab that loaf out of the pan a little bit, you know, just kind of pick it up a little bit with your hand and you can feel if it's doughy. Ideally, you're supposed to be tapping the bottom of the loaf to see if it's baked. And that's somehow, sometimes that's a little bit harder to do. And so what you could, you can do, what I recommend is just get a bread thermometer. And it's any type of thermometer that goes up to 220. Poke it in the middle of the bread. And there's really no way to avoid having a slight little hole in your loaf. So it's not like the temperature things you can use for people where you just put it up to your forehead and you get a read. It doesn't work that way. So you have to poke the loaf and you do it in the middle. And if it comes out at 180 degrees plus, then you are good to go. And so just take it and put it on a wire rack. That's better because it's going to allow the bottom to cool properly. You can wait for the bread to cool before you slice it, but you don't have to. And you can just tear off a slice. You'll be able to taste all the crunchy goodness of your seeds and your nuts and you can taste the honey in this loaf as well. But I don't think it's super sweet. I mean, we use this loaf for, you know, our like the meat sandwiches and whatever else. So it's not going to taste honey up front. But what you're going to get is you're going to get 
a lot more of that crunchiness and with all the different, oh, the seeds in there and that nine grain mix. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope we have a fantastic year of 2021. Until next time, everybody, happy baking.